Welcome to the James Exchange, September 10th, 2021. I am Nancy Gill, your host. In today's episode, I had a conversation with Ed Brooks, the program director at the Yancey Community Center in Esmont. There is much happening there and more on the horizon. It is Community Day at the park on Saturday, September 25th from 2 o'clock to 6 o'clock p.m. at Simpson Park in Esmont. This is a program of the Albemarle Parks and Rec and Albemarle Police Departments. Check it out at albemarle.org slash parkday. On Monday, I will report on this past Tuesday's Scottsville Planning Commission meeting. Two potential housing projects were submitted for a special use permit. Much more on this is coming. Enjoy my conversation with Ed and have a fantastic weekend. I'm here with Ed Brooks and he is the director of the Yancey School Community Center. Did I say that right, Ed? Uh, That is correct. Uh, Program coordinator, director, it's all the same. It works out to to be about the same. So um, glad to be here this morning and just having this conversation with you. Um, um, And thank you for just wanting to highlight Yancey Community Center as well. Yes, well, it is a major part of our greater regional reach. Yes, absolutely. The footprint, I call it the the Yancey Southern Albemarle footprint, which Mm -hmm. extends to um, Eastern Nelson, Northern Buckingham, Western Fluvanna, and Southern Albemarle. And of course, the town of Scottsville. And the town of Scottsville, which is <laughs> which I'm very fond of. Uh, yeah, well, not? independent yeah. town, but yes. in fact, Donna Price and I had a conversation, which will come out later today, on the difference between a town and a city in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Yes. Rather boring stuff, but interesting at the same time. Um, it is. So, tell me a little bit about yourself, your background, family. Yeah, absolutely. I am um, a generational Esmontonian. Um, I have been able and haven't done a, um, you know, finding your roots type of uh, investigation, but I do know my great-grandparents on three of the sides, and um, they're all, you know, from the Keene, Esmont area. Uh, my mother is a, was a Ruth Gardner Brooks, which, um, you know, she just you know, grew up right here and went to the um, Esmont schools that was here. So I, I consider myself to be an Esmontonian. My father was from the Western Albemarle, Charlottesville area, but um, I, I basically grew up here. And um, I'm a child, 1960 born, and uh, so I, my, my recollections of the civil rights movement of the 60s is as a child, uh, but I did play a part in that. So, um, you know, grew up here in Esmont. Uh, my mother was uh, deeply involved in the local NAACP. And um, she elected to, you know, to send me to Scottsville Elementary School in 1966. And uh, there were um, a handful of, um, of African-American students here in the community that did choose to do that. I know a whole lot more now about uh, what was going on on the national level, the state level, and now even in the local level as far as the city of Charlottesville schools and, and, and their timelines for integrating Charlottesville 12 uh, versus the Albemarle 26, which was at a later period. So I, I went to um, Scottsville Elementary in 66 under what was called the Freedom of Choice years. And uh, so I was there. 
And then in 1967, uh, when Albemarle County went to full integration of the county schools, um, I came back to Yancey, and, and it was integrated. And uh, the principal was Fulton Marshall. He was white, and um, almost all of the teachers were white as well, except for one, fourth grade, Miss Flossie Price. So I was here at Yancey from grades two through six. And to be back in this uh, facility, in this building, uh, as a program coordinator for uh, a new life of the school after it was closed in 2017, um, I just, it's like I almost, I'm in a dream every day, just coming down, building something new. As we call it here, we believe that we're making lemonade out of lemons because, you know, uh, that particular school board chose to close the school in 2017, which was the 40th anniversary of full integration in Albemarle County. And, uh, you know, to be sitting here in this room, which is, um, you know, the, that the space that is dedicated to the, the history of segregated schools here in Esmond and to Mr. Benjamin Franklin Yancey, who actually died in 1915. He could not even have visualized this building. And, uh, and yet, which is very unique, 45 years later, the community wanted to name the school after him. And that's rare, Nancy, because most of the time, um, I can just think of Agner Hurd, I can think of Greer Elementary. Those schools were named after those individuals within two to three to five years after they died. To have someone come up 45 years later and say we want to name the school after someone who died in 1915 is quite um, interesting. So, so my, my understanding of this school is it was very tightly knit into the community. Mm -hmm. And I believe properties were donated it was, and that's typically what had happened throughout the South because, you know, education was just so important after the Civil War, the Reconstruction years, and uh, the cry for brick schools was what was um, huge on the minds of African Americans. And so um, there was the Scott family that donated uh, land for this school to be built here because the old Esmond School was just right down here on the blacktop area but they needed a few more acres in order to build this school. So it was called an equalization school. Mm -hmm. And um, you know the former superintendent, Mr. Kale, uh, as was done all over the South, there's at least a thousand equalization schools where um, it was like, okay, you know, we're gonna build a brick school and your part of this deal is, you know, don't want to integrate. And you know, 90% of the African-American community was fine with that. Uh, but the NAACP, the 54 decision that came out of, um, you know, Brown versus the Board mm -hmm. of Education, um, not all counties all across the country wanted to do that. So the NAACP was like, it's never going to happen. So integration is the only way. But this community, on a, on a down note, did end up with three equalization schools, four. Um, because of the desire to keep the schools mostly, uh, mostly segregated. So that took me through my elementary school years. I went back to Scottsville for junior high mm -hmm. in seventh and eighth grade. And then um, there was one year, uh, the high school was 10 through 12, and all of the ninth graders in the whole county went to Jack Jewett. Huge uh, population, had a great sports teams too, and then went to Albemarle in uh, 76 and graduated in 78. 
Um, this was a turning point in my life, but I was involved in a program at UVA, which I now know was a federal program. It wasn't just here in Charlottesville, but it was called Upward Bound. And it came out of the 64 civil rights legislation, um, education um, grants, but uh, Upward Bound programs were all over the country at major universities. And so I went through the University of Virginia Upward Bound program, got a chance to travel around, see different things. And so um, I played basketball in high school. I, I wasn't a star, but I loved the game. I wanted to play. And um, I won't go into all the details, but I went to the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a very fledgling Division I program that I thought I could make. I loved Marquette. Um, they were great national champions, and I was like, there's a Jesuit school. I didn't even hardly know what Jesuit meant, right? <laughs> it's a private school. I, I can't go there. But I did go to Milwaukee. I made the team, the only walk-on. And I uh, you know, got a chance to see big-time basketball. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't get a scholarship offer, and so I left after one year, and I went to uh, Clarendon College, which is 60 miles south of Amarillo, uh, still chasing the round ball. And again, I got to play with guys who were really Division I athletes, <laughs> and I knew I didn't have what they had. And uh, so I ended up uh, going to um, Buffalo State College. My degree was in broadcasting, and um, was division, I went from Division I to junior college to Division Three, right? And I only played there one year. And so I, I did get my degree in broadcasting. Um, I ended up working in gospel music radio in Washington, D.C. I met my wife, uh, who we are still together after 40 years, uh, at Buffalo. She's from D.C. I was from Charlottesville. We kind of had a commonality there. And um, got married at 23 years of age. And, um, you know, glad that I did. Don't regret that in one moment, one day. And so um, we ended up living in Washington, D.C. For a few years, I worked in um, small AM radio stations, black gospel radio, where the stations would come on at sunrise and it would go off at sundown, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, I was a morning guy and it was religious programs on some and then I got to play music. And so I'm glad I did. But, you know, pay wasn't great. Weekends, holidays, all of that. And so... Um, we ended up moving back to Charlottesville, kind of on a rebound move, and um, I went and worked for a while with an organization called WorkSource, Workshop 5, which mm -hmm. is WorkSource Enterprises, working with disabled uh, dis students with disabilities, adults too, and uh, finally applied for a position at State Farm Insurance. I got hired as an underwriter um, in 1989, June 26, 1989. I don't know why I know that day, I do, but. I uh, worked there for 17 years in um, underwriter, education training specialist, and finally public affairs specialist. Got to travel all over North Carolina and Virginia just doing community-type programs. Um, got offers to go to the headquarters in Bloomington, Illinois. Did not want to go to Bloomington. Um, I'm an only child. Um, my mother was basically a single parent, and um, I just kind of skirted around that and my mom just passed away um, in the first part of June at age 92 and uh, you know I don't regret not taking those moves because you know she would have been here long and been trying to figure it out so we ended up uh, got married had three children and we built a house behind my mom and uh, and that lasted for until like 2016 and uh, in a nutshell I left State Farm to start a business called Strategic Business Giving philanthropy, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I started in the middle, in the beginning of 2007, which was like the, the recession years, and mm -hmm. it didn't go well. It was a disaster, to be truthful. But you know what? It was a learning experience. I uh, came out of that doing elder care with my aunts on my father's side and uh, ended up working a lot of part-time jobs so I could still do elder care. So I was at Monticello for five years as a guest services specialist and then as a historical interpreter. Went to Highland uh, also and basketball referee and volleyball referee and, <laughs> and then uh, this came along. And um, I said, you know, you ought to apply for that. Um, you know, I haven't really said this a whole lot. I hesitated because, you know, it's like I know everybody, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's good and bad? <laughs> yeah, it is. And so, uh, but it's been almost 99% good, right? Yes. <laughs> and I do, I am so, so in the right place. Um, I even got a chance that I could watch my mother more closely. Um, I was hoping that mom was going to live to be 100. Uh, I just wanted to just, that number just seemed feasible. And, uh, but it wasn't to be. You know, she passed at 92, had a full life. Um, as a pianist, hairdresser. So um, she knew. She knew that I was working here. She came down here to one of our events in February of uh, 2020. Before COVID hit, she got to see Albemarle Black Classrooms right down here mm -hmm. in the Media Center. Oh, I, I was at that. You were there too. Yes. And so she was in a wheelchair over to the side. Okay. And, you know, it's interesting because um, when she was in the hospital kind of fighting through these lasts, and I would say, Mom, you know, I got to go to work. Um, I'll be back though this evening. And Come and say, what you all do down the school today? She never <laughs> called it a community center. It was always what you do down the school today. And she never went to the school. She was at the old school that was right mm -hmm. down here. But, you know, it's the school. It's the community school that um, we are now rebranding as a community center. So, yeah. Well, you've really made great strides in this short period of time that you've been here. So it opened as a community center in what year? Um, 2019 is when the uh, Java Senior Center moved in and also the uh, Yancey Food Pantry. Mm -hmm. um, and I came to the celebratory event in March of 2019. Uh, it was January of 2020 when I started under what was called the Program Coordinators Model, um, which is supposed to be integrating the four um, resident agencies that we have in the building, which is the Blue Ridge Health Department, the PVCC Adult Education Program, um, Java Senior Center, and the BF Yancey Food Pantry. So we haven't been able to execute the, um, um, I guess I would call it the grant that I'm operating under, because I'm under the Charlottesville Albemarle Community Grant Foundation right now, because COVID came. Like, COVID came two months after I started. But you know what? That was a blessing too, Nancy, because um, it's like now um, the food pantry actually, you know, they don't have the people come into the cafeteria and like shop for their food. They take them back out. So, you know, because COVID has relaxed a little bit, they were like last month, um, opened up the doors and said, you can come back in now. And they were like, no, we'll stay in the car. You bring it to us. <laughs> it's like, really? It's like, no, we don't want to come in. You just bring us our box. And it's like, wow. And um, um, you know, Java is operating a little bit different. You know, the Scottsville seniors mm -hmm. are up here now. And within the vaccination events, that was nowhere in the plan. If we ever showed our standing and value as a community center, it was with the COVID vaccination shots that we administered here. We had four. And in a way, I thought, wow, you know, I could not have predicted, nobody could, this 
unending, seemingly <laughs> pandemic that we have, but the community center's value became more highlighted and prominent in mm -hmm. that. So in a strange way, um, it's kind of like worked out almost better than what it was with the plan that we had in place. Yeah. So, yeah. so one thing I want to touch on, because, you know, I'm very much involved with here, which is the health access and equity in rural regions with mm -hmm. Peggy, of course. Yes. But one project that I really want to do, and it would be community-wide, is to do a gospel festival. Mm. So I have mentioned this to several people, and everyone I've mentioned it to, they're like, I want to be involved. Yes. So I'm asking you, Ed, would you like to be involved? <laughs> I would like to be involved because, um, I'm going to detour here a little bit. I, I'd only met one of my grandparents, and they had all died before I was born, but um, my mother's mother was the church pianist for New Green Mountain Baptist Church, and so my mother walked in her shoes uh, my mother played the piano for 75 years, and um, most of it was with the community churches around. And she even played for Union Baptist down in Scottsville for 25 years. I mean, every fourth Tuesday we were down there at the rehearsals, right? So I love gospel music. And, um, you know, when I started out in radio, I was just trying to get to television so I could be, um, I love Ed Bradley, you know, liked him a whole lot. And... But I got stuck in radio, and I got like gospel music radio, and it's like, that's my roots. So if you've got gospel music fest in mind, um, I have to tell you that we are getting audiovisual equipment here to show movies in the garden, and um, I just went to see Aretha Franklin Respect last night, but there's been some other things that when she did her gospel recording in Los Angeles in 1972, it's like maybe the... Um, the best-selling live gospel album ever. And um, I like, I want to show that out in Simpson mm -hmm. Park. So I do want to be involved as well. Excellent. Yes. So I'm building the committee. <laughs> You're building a committee. There you go. <laughs> so far, I think I have about four people on it. Okay. And in fact, I mentioned it to Ron Smith, the current mayor of Scottsville, and he was ready to do a gospel festival this fall. I go, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah. it, this is, it's at least a year out. So, but be. yeah, like I want Buckingham, and like you said, your mm -hmm. footprint is our footprint. Yes. It's everybody's footprint down here. So, yes. I think that's the commonality of our geography. Yes. But another thing I really, in sitting here listening to you, our paths have been somewhat the same in that I took care of um, a very good friend until she died, and then my mom moved in. And she stayed with me for three years. And while she was there, um, I became mayor. And she actually did not believe that women should be in politics. And the first year, in, in 2016, I had a friend come over to administer her, her um, write-in, not write-in, her ballot. And, you know, mom just, she really didn't know anybody on running for town council, but then she heard three names for mayor, and she stopped, and she said, did you say Nancy Gill? And my friend said, yes, well, I'll vote for her. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the funny thing is, whenever I told her, Mom, I have to go to a meeting now and be the mayor, she would laugh, just that, that she couldn't believe that this kid of hers... <laughs> 
as me. Had this position. Yeah. So, but it was, she humbled me. Because every time I would say that, she would just laugh and said, well, what else is new? <laughs> so, but, you know, those things we have in common, and of course, loving this area that you grew up in and yes. that I have adopted. Yes, and we're thankful for that. Yes, we well, really are. I, I, I just really love the area, the people, and really glad to be sitting here with you today. Yes. So tell me more of what... The plans are here. I'm, I'm okay. So for those of you who listen to this, I am not at the dining room table. I'm actually at the lobby area of the Yancey Community Center, and they have this phenomenal display up, which I believe goes public Sept- September twelfth. Yes, I will be 12th. out of town, so I can't make it. But yeah. talk a little bit about how this came to be. Um, the vision for this particular room came from um, Peggy Scott and Charlotte Brody. And um, Charlotte Brody is also a transplant, but has just adopted the area, lives in Howardsville. And um, her son attended a, a magnet school, or at least a school that had been prominent in the segregation movement uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. As a matter of fact, I think it's even, um, it was a Supreme Court case that went there. So um, Charlotte, Peggy, myself, and many others in Esmond were involved in trying to convince the school board to keep the school open. And when that didn't happen, then it just became, okay, a community center is going to come about, and what should it be? Um, the social services part of it, I just named the agencies, is, is a component of it. Parks and Rec has a component of it, which uh, is uh, basketball on weekends and um, some yoga and a little bit of exercise. And then, um, you know, Charlotte said, well, we need to make it historical in some sort of way. And she's thinking about her son's path through the school. And then it was like, let's get a display. But this is not just a display. This is a museum-quality exhibit and it cost that about thirty thousand dollars was raised to tell the story of segregated education in Esmond Southern Albemarle as well as the years of Yancey and the life story of uh, Mr. Yancey so this building is supposed to be a space that engages the community at a higher level more towards health and well-being Um, because that's why those agencies are here. But there's also tangent pieces to it. The tangent pieces are is that I try to do as many community activities as I can. Of course, we haven't done those since COVID, but we did get two in. The first one was a skate night. That that was unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah, the fires right there on the back of the door. Uh, Skate night was like unbelievable because skating skating in Southern Albemarle, but like borrow the skates from Greenwood, yes. and we did. And you know, Nancy, I share this publicly now. If we had got 50 people that night, we would have been happy. We had 225 people, adults, but came to volunteer and parents. Mm-hmm. But the skaters was like 150 yeah. from North Garden, Scottsville, Buckingham, everywhere. And it was like, wow, what a start. What a start. And then COVID. <laughs> yeah, then COVID <laughs> happened, and then we have the Albemarle Black Classrooms thing. Mm-hmm. So in a nutshell, Yancey is supposed to be a space that helps communities engage. And we have a community garden that's right outside the door. And it's beautiful. Thank you. And, um, you know, uh, my former manager, Siri Russell, um, her husband, Peter, is a landscape architect. 
And we were just out there one day and the garden was supposed to be a traditional in the ground, in the back space. And uh, I grew up, I was a 4-H child too. My, my mom was heavily into 4-H and um, you know, the gardening thing is big with 4-H. So and my mother's maiden name is Gardner, right? So it's like, <laughs> we're going to plant a garden. But COVID came and then I started um, liaisoning with other community gardening people. And this box garden thing kept coming up. It's like box garden. It's like, oh, you know, playing the ground. And then someone explained, well, you know, Virginia dirt is like clay, like red clay. And you got to put a lot in it to make it really. And it's like you can control the dirt with the box. And so I started thinking about it. And I said, well, if we do a community garden, people should be able to see it. So then we pull it towards the front of the building. People can circle around and see it. And uh, then we just started collecting people, and we built some boxes out of rocks from snows mm -hmm. and some out of cedar, and it just became a design where her husband drew up um, a landscape. Only, only landscape architects could do this. Like, like what is this? Like, <laughs> you know, compost here, the walk-in way. And then, so we just like took off on it. And it, al it also has been a space that has brought people together across uh, boundary lines, mm -hmm. uh, racial boundary lines, cultural boundary lines. I haven't yet succeeded totally in getting the age boundaries because, you know, I'm older, but I'm not old. Um, right there with you. There you go, right. <laughs> and, and, and everyone that's working on this, master gardeners and the people from the community are seniors in some level. And we haven't yet drawn the younger people. They come with times with their parents, grandparents. But I'm, I'm looking for enthusiastic, engaged young people that can carry this on to the next level. But it has been a community space in ways that I couldn't really envision. Because working together, sweating together, mm -hmm. is something about that that's different from coming to a program. It's like, you know, we're working together and we're laughing and we're talking and... Uh, just getting around obstacles and talking through things. And, you know, we've had that a little bit too, but it's all about building community. So, yeah, well, yeah, we actually, the trails at, and I'm going to say it, not the way the locals say, but Todia Creek Park. Mm -hmm. So I remember there were probably 30 of us that started work on those trails, and that's what it was. We worked together, and it was it was really work. Right. You know, we had to take out roots, we had to like level things off. Yes. And I just went there a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my, I remember this. You remember this, yes. <laughs> but it wasn't the trails. Like you said, it's the camaraderie that you build with right. those working around you. Yeah. The next um, extension of this, and I was really nervous, but I kind of walked into this um, unintentionally, but we are going to also put in a native plant space right outside the uh, door here. And uh, I've started mentioning that to people. It's like, you know, native plants. And um, there's a lot of things around here that I didn't realize are not native. And the people who are into this are like, you know, crepe myrtles, Bradford pears. Like, no. They're, they're invasive. It's like they're beautiful. It's like they're invasive. <laughs> it's like, okay. Like everybody loves crepe myrtles, yes. and uh, Bradford pears do have, they have a very short lifespan for a tree. Yeah, right. anyway, limbs, too. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's what I want to do in my yard. So once I get everything, I am not a landscape architect, so it's probably going to be throwing seeds out. Uh, my friend Mary always said the back garden was like Nancy's Fellini garden because... 
she never knew what was going to happen there, and neither did I. Yeah, <laughs> I see. Yeah, so. I'm more when did you first move here? Just... I moved to Scottsville in um, August of 1999 full-time, but I'd been coming up since February of 96 for cello lessons with my friend Mary Hardy, who was a music teacher okay. um, around right. here. Right. And we became fast friends. Yes. And Was there another stop in Virginia before Scottsville? Or yes, okay. I moved down here full-time in October of 1988, and my parents had farm in Gum Spring. Okay. It's my brother's farm, and I moved in with them for a couple years and just hung out, doing whatever. I, like I finally realized I have built a life on hobbies. <laughs> so I was the editor of the Goochland Gazette at one time, and then my friend and I started a magazine called Goochland Magazine, we're very creative. Yeah. And this podcast to me is almost a carryover of that, but it's more fun because you don't have to type things up you don't have to do layout well, that's you, a very difficult job yeah. just to have to do that i don't know if it was a weekly or monthly but it was whatever it is, it's a monthly. deadline always comes fast really fast <laughs> yeah. and i spent a lot of sleepless nights because it was just the two of us so i was like okay it, did it survive is it still going we no we did it this was in goochland we right. did it for almost three years wow Never made money, but we have this great set of the magazines yes. that actually chronicled the life there. Mm -hmm. And again, that's what I hope this podcast turns into historically, is chronicling the life in this area, talking to the people and you know, just remembering those who came before us. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah, and I did a brief stint in Richmond between Gum Spring and Scottsville. And I heard the guns go off. <laughs> this is like in Jackson Ward. Yes. I'm like, I called up Mary and I go, can I spend the 4th of July in Scottsville? <laughs> and she said, of course you can. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yes. So that, that's my entry into Scottsville. Never yes. intended to be involved politically. Um, again, I just, my life has grown organically. Sure. Never, I thought I had a plan. <laughs> Well, I tell you, um, um, when I worked at Monticello, um, you know, one of the things, and, and we, we discussed tough history, mm -hmm. and it's history that people just breezing through and not really expecting. But, um, you know, part of being a, um, a, a successful historical interpreter is to make a connection with people as quickly as you can. And so, you know, you come on into the house and you're kind of going through. But in one point, I would describe to people that I'm from here. I said, I grew up 30, 20 miles south. I said, if you've ever watched the program, The Waltons, which I did, I said, um, and they're like, oh, that's a real thing. Yes, Waltons Mountain <laughs> it's is a real thing. Yeah, it's seven. I grew up in Esmond, which is halfway between the town of Scottsville and Waltons Mountain. And uh, they didn't always know Scottsville either, but they knew Walton's Mountain, right? And so, um, you know, I, I, I just, you know, I think of Scottsville as like the place that we would go, you know, to the grocery store and different things. Of course, if you're in Charlottesville, you want to stop there too. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Scottsville has always been seven miles east, right down Route 6 is how you get there. And, you know, I've seen it go through, you know, permeations of efforts to... At one point, it was supposed to be 
kind of like the, a, a designated growth area, but never quite, I think, got that official labeling from the county, but Crozet did. I think I saw in the paper last week that Crozet is considering being a town or a city or something like that. And it's like, well, okay. Well, um. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing, the growth area, um, because Scottsville is a town, it's by nature mm -hmm. a growth area, but a lot of people think Crozet is a town. They do. And, yeah, I thought it was too. When I read this, it's like, already a town. We didn't be a city, but yeah, it's, um, it's not. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping Esmont would become a town and Keene would become a town. You know, it's those New England roots in me where you have to have town, 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 town. Yeah, everywhere. Yeah, so, but, um, I just, I do appreciate it and just marvel at that. You know, I, I go down to the farmer's market sometime mm -hmm. and I went to the Scottsville Bateau, but just a number of people from all over that have made Scottsville and Southern Albemarle mm -hmm. um, to a lesser degree just home. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's like, you picked, you picked this place. And, you know, when I grew up, it was kind of like I wanted to get away. Like, um, I just heard last week that there's 113,000 people that were found in the census in Albemarle County. That's a little bit more than what they had thought. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I am anxious now to find Census Track 114. I never figured out if Scottsville is in Census Track 114 or not. I don't not. know. Yeah. I don't um, know. I think it's a separate Census Track, but we'll find out. Yeah. yeah. Well, anything else you'd like to share this morning? Uh, I would like to share that as we continue on into the third year of um, you know, the grant funding and the maturation of the community center, uh, starting on the 12th, this is the space here will be a, a publicly um, uh, recognized uh, in Albemarle County, and, and, and we're hoping that people will come down here to just want to see the lobby area. But I, I do want the community center to continue to grow as a magnet for new information. And, and that's what my vision of it would be, that people would think if it's something that they want to know about their life and well-being, that the source of information could be here, you know, at the mm -hmm. for them. And, and that's the most important part. And then secondarily, I want this to be a gathering place. Yes. And, and I do want people to say, okay, they're having a movie this weekend, they're having another event. And... I just want people to say, I don't really, I'm not really into that per se, but I just want to go because it's, it's going to be a gathering down there. And I'm going to end with saying right now that there is a, a big event scheduled for Saturday, September 25th called Southern Albemarle Fun Day in the Park at Simpson Park over here. It's being coordinated by the Albemarle County Police Department and Albemarle County Parks and Rec. Um, we're going to have the bin there serving food. I'm going to buy a plate of food for everybody, one plate, and it's uh, going to be a lot of activities. So again, um, because it is going to be outdoors because of COVID, we're going to shift it over to Simpson Park, but that's Saturday, September 25th, 2 to 6, Simpson Park, Southern Albemarle Fun Day. And everybody, you need to show up because you also have an extension of your trail. Yes. And I walked on that, took a couple of pictures. Yes. Uh, and just heard last week, too, that the, um, the perimeter path, which is a longer circular thing, the money is being transferred over in Parks and Rec, is going to do a real walking path around the whole circumference of the park, which was in the original plan in 2001 and connected to the new forest trail that's over there. Yeah, no, it's all good. It the more trails there. we have, the, the better. better. Right. And I still need to get to Tortier Creek and Van Cleef mm -hmm. uh, Park as well. And so I'm, 
I'm putting those in the next 12 months. That will be one of our outdoor gatherings along with um, the Morvan next week, and we went to Quarry Gardens, and so I've never really been to Tortilla Creek. Yeah, so. well, yeah, for um, Van Cleef, you'll have to hook up with Dan Gritzko, and he can tell everybody all about it. Okay, so we'll do that. I know Dan. This has been really terrific, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Well, thank you so much, uh, Nancy, as well, and you know, it's a great way to start the week. I always said that Mondays are the best day of the week because it's all fresh, and then from here mm -hmm. on, you're picking up things, and so when you called and said, hey, you know what, I'd like to come up Monday morning, I was like, you know what, that's a great start to the week. So thank you for the opportunity. You're welcome, and, and we'll uh, be chatting again. Thank you so much, and uh, you have a wonderful week. You too. All right.